When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, welcome into the first ever co-release of Radioactive Paper Cuts and the Marvel Stuff Podcast. We're kicking off some strange week action, and unfortunately, some of the audio went a little crazy on this episode, but I still hope you enjoy. Keep getting pumped. This movie's gonna be sweet. Love you guys. Listen in. Let us know what you think. Hey guys, welcome in to the first ever co-release of Radioactive Paper Cuts and Marvel Stuff Podcast. I am your host, Josh Kennedy from Facebook and my loyal co-host from Paper Cuts and occasional guest on Marvel Stuff. Please welcome Noah King Bates. How are you doing? Oh, I cannot complain. How are you doing? I'm so good. I'm so excited to get into this. Uh, we've been doing this over on uh, Radioactive Paper Cuts. This is episode two of Comic Book Club. Every single month, we're going to be reading a graphic novel, giving our thoughts about it, getting the uh, you know, giving everybody their props, the uh, the writer, the artist. All that good nonsense, and it's going to be sweet. Uh, this is day two of Strange Week. Hope you guys are excited to keep jumping in here. This is going to be the first ever video uh, Spotify release for the Marvel stuff. Unfortunately, Noah, uh, well, actually, you know what? Your cartoon is pretty sick looking, so honestly, it's a 50-50 yeah. on which one the audience would prefer. Like, I'm pretty that. sure because I'm pretty sure I look like that. It's, it's the exact same thing. Yep, yep. I've never, I've seen you many times, and that's just like exactly, just a perfect representation. What we did today is uh, we read Doctor Strange, Surgeon Supreme, Volume 1, and that uh, Volume 1 was called, uh, it was Under the Knife. Yeah, Under the Knife. And this was a six-issue series uh, that came out in 2019. Uh, Most of the reason we did this is because it was the only one on uh, the Hoopla app that we used to read our comic books. And uh, that's really most of what I can say about this one. Uh, I'm going to read the description real quick just to kind of give us a little bit of a a premise here. And then we'll get into it. Sound good, Noah? Sounds great. All right. So the official description of this volume was, The impossible has happened. Stephen Strange's hands have been healed, restoring the surgical skills he lost long ago. But now Dr. Strange finds himself torn between his obligations as Sorcerer Supreme and a life-saving neurosurgeon. And when Strange is forced to to choose which set of vows he must uphold, who will suffer for it? After all, magic always has a cost, and the threats are mounting, like the wrecker of reality. The patient's heavy metal tattoos come to life and more. Plus, Dr. Druid returns, but he has... Oh, but he... <laughs> has he truly renounced all magic as his claims, or is it something more sinister brewing in the halls of McCarthy Medical Institute? Join Stephen Strange, MD, for a new era of modern medicine, mystic arts, and horror. Uh, did that sound accurate? Accurate to you, Noah? To what we actually read? Uh, kind of. <laughs> yeah, I think you and I are of the same opinion on this one. Uh, the first episode of Comic Book Club, we did uh, Batman the Imposter. 
And I will say I very much preferred both the storyline and the artwork in that one. I think you're on the same page as me. Yeah, yeah. So I, I do want to give a shot. I mean, even though we might not have enjoyed the, the writers, the storytellers were Mark Wade and Kev Walker. Um, colorist was uh, Jave Tarantalia. Probably screwed that name up. Yeah, with um, Antonio uh, Fabella. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, yep. DC Corey Petit was the letterer, and Phil Noto did the cover for at least part one. Yep. And uh, we appreciate those guys for trying their best. <laughs> yeah, uh, I really this, do. The story, um, just to kick it off, like this story had a lot of promise. I think in the first few pages of this graphic novel, one, I wasn't as attached to the artwork, but that's just a personal preference thing. The actual storyline seems like something that could be really engaging. Did you kind of feel the same way? Yeah, especially because, I mean, even in the, like, the first picture, which is the guy sitting there, uh, oh, the, the one where the guy sitting in the chair and that demon tuber is, like, above him. I was like, oh, we're going to get that really cool, like, mix between, like, science and magic of, like, tumors and, and, and like, problems with the body manifesting into magic. So I was like, hey, I'm all for that. That sounds great. And that's not what we got. At all. Yeah, that was, uh, I've got it pulled up on the screen right now. Uh, not the first example, but another example. Um, the idea that they had these cool looking demon monster things that were uh, representative of disease within the hospital. I was like, this is going to be a visually entertaining aspect of the comic book. But unfortunately, we only got to see it a handful of times. Yeah. Uh, the duet, like, I, I like the idea of him getting his hands fixed and going back to being a neurosurgeon and it really acknowledging that he's the best in the world at being a neurosurgeon. Like, that was pretty cool. And it was a good setup. And the fact that he is famous as Doctor Strange, that was pretty fun. Yeah, but Kermit was very entertaining. Yeah, his assistant Kermit. Yeah, we love that guy. He was great. He was a lot of one cape question a day. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Uh, but overall, like, the story didn't go anywhere near what I really wanted it to do. At least that's how I felt about it. Um, you could tell there was a little bit of uh, friction from him getting between his uh, work as the Doctor and his work as Doctor Strange. In the first little section, we we're introduced to just this explosion in downtown New York. And we, he goes to check it out, right? And he's met by uh, Wrecker and no, the re the first one is Dildo. just Wrecker, right? Yeah, just Wrecker is the first one, and then it's Wrecker and Thunder Thunderball later. Yeah, but in the first one, uh, essentially, he meets this. He must be like an E or F list villain. I've never heard of this guy. Had you? Were you that was one the Wrecking Crew. No, not once. Are they important okay. somehow? They okay, so they're not like super important, but they're they're on the level of like Shocker. Oh, okay. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, I read a lot of Marvel comics, but I guess uh, maybe I lean towards other characters. Uh, I haven't There's seen these guys show. Yeah, they're they're lower tier, and it, I guess that's fine. We, I mean, there's more villains later. We'll talk about them when we get to it. But I like the setup that they did with these villains because he goes to Wrecker, which everyone knows he's a low list villain, but he has a mystical crowbar now. It's a crow. It's right? not as guardian. 
Yeah. So it's no longer what he's known for using. He now has just like a mystic backing to it. And he can destroy a lot more. Uh, they call him the wrecker of reality throughout this uh, volume here. And he can kind of mess with the true nature of the world while using this thing, which was kind of cool. Strange, of course. Uh, you guys, he was actually defeated, really, in the, their first uh, interaction oh, yeah. between the two of them pretty, pretty significantly. But Strange was obviously able to get out of it. But they have this fight. He gets tied up. It looks like a uh, Wolverine in Days of Future Past getting all that metal and concrete twisted around him and threw him and he threw him, threw him in the ocean. Hey, cool. broke his leg too. He did break his leg. That was pretty sick. Uh, got sent to the ocean. So really he thought he beat Dr. Strange, which uh, no small feat to anyone really. So that was a sorry record that we ruined your uh, scenario here. But right here we introduced to Dr. Strange's, uh, what did he call it? Uh, Makina, Makina, what was it? what's his oh, main house uh, called uh it, sanctum it sanctum machina machina that's what it was yeah which i'm pretty sure like uh uh based off of uh ex machina so it's like the sanctum of god no the sanctum of machine machinery so yeah magic with forgery so that would make sense yeah it worked out pretty well um i liked it it was kind of like gave me you know bat cave vibes uh he called it his forge many times where he this is essentially where a lot of mystic things are kept and you can forge your weaponry with runes for uh the mystic arts which i'd never seen this before is it what i guess we could have looked it up but i think this is new to the character am i incorrect in stating that no he's used it before i can't i don't remember if it was no it wasn't fear itself but there was a time it's like fear itself where he had to mix magic with other heroes. So he was like imbuing weapons and stuff like that to give to like Wolverine and, and, and Tony and all of that to like. Okay. Yeah, so it it's, like mixing. it's been used before. So that's fine. Um, so I, I guess uh, it's a cool little side thing for Doctor Strange. I mean, uh, is reminiscent of the Forge in mythology, I would say. Uh, Hephaestus' Forge or whatever the guy's name is in Norse mythology. But really the same idea. He goes there to make these weapons. And later on in the story, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but it's revealed that these mystic weapons that both Wrecker use and Thunderball, because there's a second fight between the two of them, and they're mystic in nature. So, Noah, you want to kind of take it from there? Tell me what the audience uh, needs to know. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, uh, Thunderbolt, uh, the Wrecking Crew in general, their weapons originally were Asgardian. They were bits of Asgardian metal that had fell to the earth, and it was just a bunch of low-level crooks, a bunch of, yeah, two-bit um, criminals who grabbed them and became the wrecking crew if they used them and had to take out a bunch like New York people constantly had to fight them. Luke Cage fought them a couple of times in a store. So now in having non Asgardian, because again, it's magic. Asgardian magic is something that is kind of actually low tier magic when you think about sorcerers. You, you have Frida, but she's about. And Loki, he learned from her, but the Sorcerer Supreme has been able to withstand Loki's magic and Guardian magic, so it was beyond his pay grade. It was almost like a chaos magic. 
the way that the crowbar was working, which is what I really wanted to see. I wanted to see more reality warping, which is what I thought the uh, comic was going to kind of take place. Where we yeah, I thought there were a lot of things within this story that I felt like were cool concepts, but they weren't capitalized on enough. Like, these weapons could clearly do a lot of damage, but the way they were described, it should be able to, like, change reality and this, that, and the other thing. But for the most part, it kind of just caused extra damage. Like, they, the weapons got a, you know, a soup up, but it didn't make them, you know, crazy powerful. Yeah, and then he does go to uh, an alternate world. That was of his own volition, wasn't it? When he, uh, I, I, it was a what? When he goes about to the, ta- the tattoo world later, yeah, we'll we'll yeah, get. He to goes to that. the tattoo world, but he goes to another world. That's more. Was it in part two? Like I said, I have it right here with me. But it's like the weird folly. I think it was like yellow almost. Yeah, but you can talk while I try and figure out where. Yeah, that's fine. Um, the thing that they really had going for him in this story that I found interesting. So. Dr. Druid, not a super well-known Marvel character, but he has nope. served as both villain and hero. And at one point he was part like he was an Avenger in some storylines. So he was dead prior to this volume, and now all of a sudden he's back, and that's kind of a crux of this whole uh storyline is he's there, but there's no real explanation as to why and what his uh his true uh nature is going to be and i think they really leaned into that here okay so i remember what part i was thinking about for uh, part two it wasn't uh, he sent him into a different part it's he tore apart his his uh the multiverse like there's a part where he has oh own... yeah, yeah yeah i know what you're talking about that's yeah when he when he defeats thunderball and wrecker he yeah because he gets attacked with the crowbar which splits him into like a multiverse of himself. I, I like that scene. I like that scene, but I thought that that was going to be like the ramping action to everything that was getting ready. Because again, it's a crowbar that screws up reality. The picture from the book shows two Doctor Stranges. So I thought that we were going to get like a weird, we have regular human Doctor Strange who doesn't use magic, who stays a surgeon. Right. And then we have Sorcerer Supreme Doctor Strange, and it's them, I don't know, like the duality of Ben, like, because he couldn't do both, now he can. I, I was just expecting more of that than what we got. So I was a little underwhelmed by the story that was told. And once we get towards the end, I, I really got underwhelmed with, like, the, the true villain. Yeah, um, I almost, I don't know if I would have preferred it, but the red herring that they had planted throughout the entire story was Dr. Druid and the fact that he could be a villain or he could be a hero. I found it interesting that he also worked at the hospital with Strange. That was kind of a a fun concept. But he himself, uh, let me get his information pulled up in front of me. So Anthony Ludgate is his actual name. And he's uh, he's an old, he kind of has telekinetic powers, his telepathy, and a couple of other things. He's just really well trained, and he draws a lot of his power from uh, nature. So think like Mystic Poison Ivy would probably be the best way to describe him. Uh, yeah, or if you like D and D, he is a druid. 
like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Latin. yeah, <laughs> the druid. Yeah, it's uh, from uh, Irish I, mythology, I believe. So yeah. I guess man thing or uh, yeah, man thing or swamp thing. Which one gets the power from the green? That's more along the lines. That's swamp thing. Swamp thing gets yeah. the power from the green. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, so yeah, it's a sorcerer swamp thing, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> Based on like this description that I have pulled up on here right now, which this was one of the art pages that I actually did appreciate the like the work of green and the panel work. Yes, it was there was little splashes of like really cool visuals, but I think we kind of set ourselves up for failure doing the, the first book that we did. Like I said, Batman the Imposter. If you guys haven't checked out that video, go over to Radioactive Paper Cuts and check it out because that book I can't brag about it enough. I know we're doing this as a co-release with the Marvel stuff. But we're comic book nerds through and through, so go check it if you got the time. Yeah, both sides, both sides matter. Exactly. Uh, but back to this story. Um, after this whole thing kind of develops, uh, I think it's issue. I think issue three comes about. Yep. Uh, we got through issue one. We got through issue two, which was I mean, I've got the the artwork for each of them coming through here. But issue yep. three, I liked this one a lot. I don't know if it was because. Um, I myself am pretty tatted up that um, I kind of related to some of this stuff. Like they use terminology that really only people that are into tattooing like heavy are people that, that would like really understand it. Like there at one point he says something like, uh, I'm not a scratcher, which to the, you know, most people don't know what that is, but a scratcher is someone who works from home, doesn't have his official license. It's someone that's kind of learning the trade, mm. but that's just, that's neither here nor there. Um, no, I'm, I'm learning stuff. So uh, before we get into three, which is your favorite, again, I really enjoyed the like little eight pages of Strange Academy that they had at the tail end of two. Oh yeah, you can talk about you. You know what? You have that. Just all yours. Talk about it as much as you want. That works. <laughs> so there's so many things about Strange Academy that I uh, I I really enjoyed. One, it has some of my favorite characters, being Brother Voodoo and Nico Minoru from Runaways. Like, that was dope. It's set in New Orleans, which... New Orleans is a fun one to have. Huh? Yeah. New Orleans is just a fun setting. Yeah, um, what in this, when they did note that it was in Strange Academy, I was like, I want to read that book, so maybe that'll be a uh, future episode, but continue. Exactly. There was a... a, It was giving me... uh, There was a Avengers Academy book that came out in, like, what, like, 2016? Where it was pretty much um, battle world, but with teenagers. Okay. So Strange Academy was giving me like that that same build up of that mixed with like uh, that one Gotham uh, book from New Fifty Two, where it's just that. In the oh, uh, yeah, they have a new one now. I actually just started reading over at DC called Titans Academy. Same idea, yeah. actually. But yeah, it, it has that same idea. Like I, I really love reading about teenage superheroes. They're the most entertaining. They have the most growth. They have the most, the most to, to either lose or gain by whatever they choose. Like, we know Doctor Strange, at the end of the day, is going to be Doctor Strange. But watching a teenager superhero or villain yeah. grow up, we don't know. It's the drop of a hat. I referenced exactly that in the last episode of Paper Cuts. Uh, me and Rachel reviewed uh, The Crimes of Grindelwald, and I noted that like this series doesn't like relate to the audience as much as the other ones do because you don't have that young hero you're rooting for and watching them grow through the process. You're kind of just 
brought to an adult and then they do their like adventure thing. Something about adolescence and being a teenager just makes stories so much more interesting. It really does. I mean, that's my young adult. I mean, the, the biggest form of media in terms of like books are mangas and young adults, young adult novels and comics. But I mean, mangas, anyone knows who, like, you might not have ever picked up a, a manga in your life, but you know who Goku is. You True. heard the name Naruto. Like, watching the teenage, like, struggle for some reason to any age group almost, it's, it's worth it. So, Strange Academy really had that for me. I thought all of the characters were kind of fun. Again, I got to see my man, Brother Voodoo, which I enjoy. I wish he was still Sorcerer Supreme, but that, sadly, Stephen's alive. Yeah, um, he's an interesting character for sure. I'd like to see more of him. And yeah... I- the couple references to the strange Academy, it feels like we could have had more there too, but I guess it is its own book. So whatever the case may be, um, I think maybe the problem with this book that we read is just this series doesn't have the legs that it seems like it should because in concept, I can totally understand like this could even uh, kind of merge the gap between genders as well. Not to say that girls don't enjoy comic books, but they do like, as an overall, a lot of females tend to be into Grey's Anatomy and like hospital dramas that are on TV. So I thought they were going to kind of go about that route within this comic book where, you know, some of the hospital drama gets brought to comic books and kind of gets gets it introduced to a whole new audience. But we did not spend as much time in the hospital as I thought we were based on the title. Yeah, I was expecting, like you said, like I wanted some... I wanted some real level crime, not crime drama, uh, a hospital drama in this. I wanted for him to have to do a surgery on a child that, like, the building that exploded or something like that, or something to do with, like, being a surgeon in a superhero world. Like, yeah. yeah, he's the best surgeon and he only gets called in when, like, the no one else can the job. Exactly. But like, why isn't there an emergency and he's just there? Yeah. Fortunately, we did get to see that once. Not enough. But that uh, that's a perfect segue into issue three. The premise of this one is a 19-year-old uh, a boy or man, whichever you prefer. He uh, He's very tatted up. He, his, uh, his right nipples pierced, which was illustrated a couple times. I was like, hey, man, I, I, get, what, <laughs> yeah. I get what they're trying to convey here. He was uh, he had, he had, like long he hair. Punk. He got a beanie. Yeah, he had the punk style. And uh, he went and got a tattoo from some stranger, which I was like, well, that's a questionable move, but whatever. We'll move on from it. And what he did is he ended up getting a tattoo from this, uh, I believe it was a demon. I, I don't think it was the main, vi- no, wasn't the main villain villain disguise? I think it might have been. No, no, because the main villain, the main, the, the main stigmata. Two dimension. Yeah. Yeah, he's stuck in the two dimensions. So he has like demons and lackeys in the 3D world. And this tattoo artist has uh, some sort of some mystic coils from uh, Doctor Strange's Forge, which kind of relates it to the rest of them. And he gets a symbol tattooed on his neck about, I think it was a few days ago. And then every hour it aged the person who got the tattoo because it was slowly sucking the life out of the three dimensional character and giving power to the second dimension, which was where uh, the villain was revealed to be stigmata. 
I don't know if he's a new villain or what it I've is, never but heard of him, so me either. So, but like again, like I said, because I'm super into tattooing and like I even tried to do it myself for a while, which I sucked at. So we'll just leave that alone. But they have uh, <laughs> I they use pictures now. <laughs> <laughs> they used uh, tattoo style, like the slang. Like he talked about the different uh, art styles. He was talking about like yakuza as a type of style. Then he brought up trash polka, which I have a little bit of trash polka on my arm. Where where's my camera? There it is. Uh, you'll see it someday. No, there we go. So, no, please. I mean, uh, I would love to deviate because I I know nothing about, and I'm sure some of our our leaders. Yeah, if you guys are interested, styles? I would love to. So, uh, they're essentially like the styles are based of where they came from. Like the yakuza is a very uh, it's a Japanese art form, and if you've ever watched a movie with the yakuza in it, it's kind of this intricate looking black, and then there's hard line breaks with a across like down the sternum or uh, at joint levels. And it um, normally there's koi fish or foo dogs incorporated into it. And it kind of just uh, some cherry blossoms as well. And it kind of, that's that reflected in that society. And then there's obviously one for pretty much everyone. Like uh, there's different styles of tattooing, but trash polka is a pretty new one. I don't remember where it originates, but uh, essentially the idea of trash polka is you take uh, splashes of red and you uh, have like designs in it, and then you get like crazy stuff. I'm showing my tattoo on the screen if you guys are curious. So you got like splats of red, and it, it's it's almost like a a bit of randomness to it. So I we're kind of deviating a little bit, but it's a uh, it's a fun little fun fact. If anyone needs to ask you what trash bulk is, it's essentially a combination of like black and white design splashed with red. It's a cool concept. I obviously I like how it looks. I think that uh, people should go to the Instagram uh, for radioactive paper cuts and badger you until you show us pictures of your tattooing stuff. <laughs> oh, I'll show you the tattooing stuff. I've never tattooed on anyone. I just was no good at drawing on a fake skin, but I will definitely <laughs> post whatever photos. Uh, maybe someday I'll get back into it. It's funny because I actually started the oh. tattooing thing at the same time I started podcasting. And I got really into podcasting. I kind of got out of the <laughs> tattooing thing for a while. <laughs> so this so in three, that is where we get so the tattooing world was uh, the the world that I was thinking of because it like it does have this really cool picture in in uh, the third act with that giant eye with the like it looks like up and sleeve like. I thought I might have screenshot something like that. There we go. So this isn't the one you're talking about, but. This is a view of this world. I love the concept. I think it's just being a tattoo geek because it was essentially like every tattoo that he had himself, like the teenager and other people that have been tattooed by this uh, demon guy, their tattoos bring across this world of just like super, I don't know, just abstract things. And it was uh, it was super fun to adventure into because the concept of tattoo. God. It sound weird, but it was giving me uh like comic book version of Chalk Zone. If you ever watched Chalk Zone. Oh, Chalk Zone. <laughs> yeah, that's a fun pull. Yeah, you could definitely make that argument. Uh, yeah, but just he, he went into this world using some magic thing because he's Doctor Strange. I mean, he has different words for everything. We're not the podcast is going to tell you every individual spell he said because he's had a lot of them within the storyline. But what sure. he does, the lowdown is he goes to this world to try and save the teenager that came into the hospital. And uh, he finds stigmata, which is the name of the villain. And he has a bunch of uh, people there, like a, 
a version of them trapped within the tower, which the tower was also a tattoo, which was pretty cool. And yeah. I just showed the dragon on the screen where it had uh, the dragon was guarding the castle. I'm like, this is perfect. I love the way they're they're telling the story. I mean, this was and then, yeah. There's the axe from the barbarian that he fought. Yeah, and then he even had like at one point he had like uh, different soldiers attacking him that looked like uh, you know just different tattoo styles that you would get. So it it's it was just really fun to adventure throughout this uh, this whole thing here. And uh, there's a representation of each of the people that got tattooed within the tower, and Stigma's keeping them captive. And it kind of looks like I don't know if you want to call it like the Matrix, where they're in the tubes. Similar, I don't oh, know. There's yeah. probably a better comp there, but. Uh, a representation of everyone that he's taken life from is trapped within this world, and Doctor Strange is forced to uh, fight the uh, stigma and his creations to uh, eventually free them. Uh, what were your, some of the, your favorite parts about this uh, storyline here? So, I, as we're talking about it, I, I, and I have, we have to take into account that this is like a box. So, compared to like the imposter, a uh, Batman the imposter, or or even like the last Roman, the two image. We have to take into account this is volume one, so the stories aren't necessarily supposed to connect. And I, this one was like the part where I really started to feel like a disconnect from the other two. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where. Any comic book story, if they're not on a direct storyline, but they need to fill in a lot of stuff, they have very loose connections to the overall story. Like this very much felt like a standalone comic. It could have like you could read this and not feel the need to read the rest of the series because it was kind of good in itself. Yeah, it lent itself a little bit to the overall storyline just because the coils that made up the tattoo machine were mystical. And I believe it was this storyline or maybe it was the next issue where it was actually revealed that all of these mystic weapons originated from Stranger's Forge. Yeah, I think at the end of this episode, like at the end of this issue it's like him saying like oh, I'm gonna figure out where these are coming from. So I think it was like catalyst to figuring out alright, who is behind all of this. And yeah. then we get into uh, I don't know if this one's my favorite of the like six. I, I consider them like six I'll get different stories that kind of come to a head at the end. Um, I, I think I enjoyed this one the most because I thought Druid was an interesting character and I really wanted there to be more of a is he or isn't he that I really wanted them to play with. But they kind of Yeah, are. strange references is he or isn't he a lot, but the his actual interactions with Druid are pretty limited until later in the in the volume. Uh, issue number four, I think it was the end of three that left that on a cliffhanger. The whole idea of having Druid in the storyline is because you had an out. You had someone that you thought might be the villain. The fact that he was trained to be Sorcerer Supreme and then eventually Stephen was chosen over him, he might have access to the Forge or know of the Forge so he could be the guy that uh, is breaking in and stealing all the stuff. That was exactly what they were trying to do. But as we get revealed later in the story, he was the red herring. Yeah. So what issue I four. Say, uh, I was gonna say with issue four, what one thing that I I was disappointed in is this was that perfect time to show Steven's limit, and they did do it because the whole point was like the beginning of like him fighting that that beast 
um, and being late for surgery. And I forgot to show this. I stigmata. Really, <laughs> yes, stigmata. Uh, I really wish that they were done where he didn't make it to the surgery and that person died. And he slowly starts to realize he can't do both. Because, I mean, the fact that he came in at the last game and like, oh, yeah, great, cool, whatever. He gets to stick it to him, whoever that guy is. Or even maybe the guy does do the procedure and he realizes, like, there are other good surgeons out there. I just thought the fact that he came in and swooped in and saved the day and then saved the day. And I'm like, all right, cool. He saved the day. I didn't connect with him. I thought that was just kind of too perfect. Yeah, I agree with you. They could have raised the stakes a little bit, like had him actually kill someone. I didn't like how there was this loose romance with like his boss. That was weird too. I'm like, why is this even included? Like, what are we, what are we doing here? There were. I wanted her to be masked. You want her to be the person? At, okay, yeah, that's that would have been, that would have made things more interesting, but it definitely was not the case. Uh, but yeah, essentially, issue four is a lot of building Drew, like making it look like Druid's going to be the villain, and then it's slowly revealed that someone else may have stolen the stuff from him. So we move forward, and I guess. Really, is this where you got some notes on issue four that you wanted to talk about before we move on to five? Because five is really where things start to go down. Um, I guess the thing that I really enjoyed for was we got to finally see Druid use his powers. And I thought that was cool. The fact that he could channel the energy into anything organic. So he found it like a flower in the greenhouse up on the top and made it explode. I thought that was cool. Um, I thought it was weird the fact that, like, the villain, who we still don't know at the point, tricks demon by planting a low-level demon as an explosive in it all, and they just bypass that. Like, I want to know how. Like, what? What? That seems so intricate. And they're just like, yeah, it happens. Continue on with life. I'm like, no, please. I, I want a step-by-step process. Yeah, that's a good point. It should. Yeah, they could have done like, a, how did she camouflage it to look like a human so well that it confused a couple of sorcerers to where they didn't realize until it was too late. But yeah, I mean, you you brought up a good point. I, I think it was at the end of four we get the the really big reveal of the bomb, and then Druid's able to disperse the energy to his greenhouse that's on the roof, and then it causes an explosion, and then Druid wipes the minds of all the. Uh, the visitors and the workers and the patients to where they don't remember the explosion and and has a note that Steven's like, I don't have time to think about the logistics of how moral this is or not. I liked that. Yeah. Uh, we get introduced to two other little guys. I put a note here. They weren't that important, but Mr. Smile and Mr. Sulk. I think that was the beginning of either four five. or five. Was it the beginning of five? Yeah. So two more villains with two more weapons from the forge. Uh, the way that their weapons were described to work together was fun, where it would uh, create damage, and then the other guy would use a hammer to reconstruct to where you could trap someone in the rubble was kind of the explanation that they gave. How did you feel about that? Uh, I like the fact they truly look like Tim Burton creations. They do look like Tim Burton. Their concept was amazing. Their powers were, I mean, they were, I, I enjoyed them, and I thought that the battle at the beginning was kind of fun and intriguing. Yeah, but, I agree with you. 
a yeah. little bit of a highlight side battle. I like their little battle a little bit more than I like the Wrecking Crew, but that's just a personal preference. Uh, we get to go to the bazaar, though. That's where issue five, a majority of it takes place, which is essentially a black market for the mystic arts. And I am intrigued. And since this is Strange Week, and we're doing Strange Week because of the Multiverse of Madness, do we think, I mean, maybe not in this movie, but I would love to see the bazaar show up in the MCU. Yeah, I really like Bizarre. I was hoping that we would see more. And in terms of the movie, I don't I don't know if we'll see the Bizarre because uh, they have so much already damn packed in there. Yeah, I don't think it'll be in this movie, but I would I would love for it to be in a sequel just because the whole concept of it is fun where it's just like dark art stuff. It reminds me of a uh, Diagon Alley and Harry Potter. Yeah, I like it's like Diagon Alley, and then it's like uh, Madripoor. Is that the Marvel? Madripoor, yeah, that's the mutant city. That same, I same the crime, the crime town. Yeah, something like that. But uh, we get a small little glimpse of, I believe his name was like King uh, King Ragnar or something along those lines. Was that what his name was? Doesn't matter. All it is is strange and uh, Druid essentially take over the look, like the physical look, and he called it a favor for Mr. Fantastic. So that was a fun shout out because mysticism doesn't work within the bazaar and they can cloak themselves to be represented as something else so they can get close to Madam Mask, which Madam Mask is the official villain. And I don't know if I was really that impressed. No, I I thought that it was such a. Uh, uh, there's like so many other people, so many other names, and the fact that and when we get to it in like a couple of chapters, her motivation is so dumb in my eyes. Yeah. Um. Definitely very very dumb. So the way she's introduced is, uh, she was recently defeated and she got like the all this like extra power so it took what was it iron man doctor strange and did she say dr doom dr doom that's right it took all three of them to take her down in the last one so that was a it got me at least interested in her because i don't really know about her within the comic books but then it was immediately kind of just undercut by the way the story was told yeah, I I mean, the fact that, I mean, I know her from certain stories. She can command an army. She can be just as conniving as thought-provoking as, like, Red Skull in terms of, like, creating a plan or being, like, a black market dealer. But the fact that her entire motivation was kind of Tony... I yeah, just, you. I thought that 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 that, 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 that to me that set women back years. <laughs> yep, Madam Mask, she's she's fine. I mean, uh, the way that yeah, her whole motivation being that she's in love with Iron Man and she was trying to work with that, I, I just made no sense to me. I did like the scene where Doctor Strange was able to enter her mind a little bit. Uh, that's in the next yeah. issue, though. But that you know, it, there was highlights and lowlights, but. Uh, even that the next couple of issues kind of all run together because they do kind of finish off the story and they're all in this area. 
Yeah, five to six is the most continuity between any of the issues. It's just literally picking up right where the other one left off. So we can kind of talk about it in general terms more than individually. Uh, essentially, Madame Mask did not fall for Strange's uh, ruse hardly at all. I mean, clearly she was fooled by Druid, uh, thinking that he was Strange in the initial introduction, but then Doctor Strange is able to get to, uh, I don't know, a place, a vantage point to really prepare his mm-hmm. plan. Yeah. And Madam Mask immediately kind of is like, okay, I know exactly what's going on here. So she not only six the entire city onto Doctor Strange, but she also uh, the the environment on this uh, like whole thing that was a pretty fun concept. We forgot to touch on that. The bazaar, their environment adapts to the people that are there, depending on where they're from. So people from a certain planet where they need to inhale like iron oxide or something like that the environment will provide that but it won't give that to like dr strange so that was pretty cool yeah i i uh, i think the bazaar looked really cool and i would have like enjoyed to kind of see more where the people inside of the interact and again druid's powers and the fact that he was kind of the person who saved the day i enjoyed that was nice it wasn't just steven being steven yeah. Uh, really, just the last few notes here. Uh, this whole event happens. Doctor Strange has to essentially play, do like a mystic lobotomy type of thing and make her think of four different images, which was weird to like unlock. Yeah, the Tony. They were just weird pictures of Tony. Yeah. Um, I did like the scene where he entered her mind, though, where it was just this creepy amalgamation of like Iron Man armor in this like home that she wished she lived there with Tony. It was very odd, but super fun. And the comment that he's like, okay, so this is what love is considered to a psychotic woman. Yeah. And then you try it. And then that, then he created the mask. He was like, Hey, this will make you sane. And she was like, yeah, Yeah, that's, that's fair. Uh, Madam mask. I would be okay with her showing up in the MCU though, if they do her right. If they don't, I wish that I want to want them to handle it differently than they did within this story. But if we truly do have a woman that t- it takes all three of those guys to take her down, I want to see it. That's how I feel. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I think the closest so far we've gotten someone like that on that level was um, what am I blinking on? Pella. But we do need someone kind of more in the Earth realm to do something like that. Yeah. Madame Mask is a little bit reminiscent of what they're doing with Lady Hydra within the MCU. So maybe, I mean, she'll take some amalgamation stuff from her, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. But this story, what happens, obviously, Doctor Strange is victorious. He gets all of his mystic weapons that were made in his forge to disappear and the hero saved the day, and Madame Mask, instead of getting herself turned in, decides to jump off a cliff and be hunted for the rest of her life. Okay, conclusion? Is that how you feel about it? I mean, it was a conclusion that I... I, I think the fact that it concluded, and again, that is in volume one, but they're all not supposed to be, like, interconnected. This wasn't, like, a standalone story. Yeah, it is, in a way, a volume one ends. We still have some questions that could possibly be answered 
in the coming future, but nothing where it's just completely done. Yep. So, fine storyline. I hope you guys enjoyed that review of the comic book. Uh, Noah, because of Strange Week, let's talk about the MCU and the impact of this upcoming movie outside of this comic book. And I just want to get some of your feelings on it. Uh, do we think they can incorporate anything from this storyline into the MCU to the benefit of the character? I think the only thing we could possibly see is that the, there's a variation where Strange is still a surgeon. He yeah. made a deal and, and his hands work perfectly, but he gave up magic. I feel like that may be a, a version of, of Stephen that we see where he picked that path compared to the path that he's on right now. Um, yeah. Yeah. Other than that, I don't. Maybe. I can't remember the name of Chumagora. Uh, it is the, the like empty cleaners, the, the monsters that live in the realm. I would love to see some of the the images that they used for some of the like uh, illnesses to be concept art for maybe some of the monsters we see. Because I really enjoyed some of those monsters. They look gnarly. But yeah. I honestly don't know if there's going to be anything. Maybe we'll get a hint of of Druid as a character. Maybe he becomes a character in Doctor Strange 3 with Brother with uh, brother. Yeah, Blue. I could see maybe a mention of the Forge, too, if this is really going to be an important thing to the character. But, yeah, we just, we picked this Doctor Strange book kind of at random, and uh, I think we came up at a little bit of a loss. I'm not saying this is the worst comic book ever, but it definitely felt like just run-of-the-mill, nothing all that special about it. So it's a bummer, that but we read said, it. I think yeah. for our next book, we need to, uh, at least the book club in which we, we, we really like dive deep, need to find contained stories. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the one-offs where like we did the DC Black Label stories, those are a lot more, because there's a conclusion built within it. If you do a volume one of a series, you're kind of uh, left to what they're going to do in future issues, so... That's kind of how these things go, and that's okay. We hope you guys enjoyed this first uh, combination uh, co-release between the Radioactive Paper Cuts and Marvel Stuff Podcast. We hope you guys really enjoyed We're going to do these every month over on Radioactive Paper Cuts. Noah's always there, and I uh, hope you guys enjoy the rest of Strange Week. If uh, you have any questions or you didn't like this or you liked it, make sure to shoot us a message, rate us five stars. We're growing all the time. We're so pumped for Strange Week. We love you. Noah, any final thoughts? Um, the Crimson Bands of Sidorak. I love it. Had nothing to do with anything, but it's perfect. Enjoy Strange. We'll uh, give you our spoiler-free review on Thursday, full review on Friday, a couple more fun things on Mondays and Wednesdays. We love you. Have a good one.